Hello and welcome to Stumbling Through Scripture. I'm Becky Catchpole. And I'm Archie Catchpole. And we're coming to you for the first time from Edinburgh. Yeah, it's very exciting. So, short disclaimer on that note, apologies for the slight echo and if you hear cars going past in the background. Yeah, we're still in the midst of moving and we don't really know how to stop the cars going past. <laughs> um, but hopefully we'll sort out... We could hire a traffic lady, like a, a, a lollipop <laughs> Like a lollipop lady, lady yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, that's actually quite a dangerous job, apparently. What, according to my dad? According to many people. Oh, yeah, your dad did say that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, we're, it's great to be talking to you from Edinburgh. Our voices in your ears, that's great. <laughs> oh no And this week We're looking at the letter of the Galatians mm. Chapter 2 verse 20 And it's uh, And this week it's a bit of a kind of It's going to be a shorter episode than usual I think this week And it's going to be slightly Perhaps slightly light on more of the um, Theological content more, And it's slightly more Devotional mm. It's putting the devotional in commentational <laughs> Hey <laughs> yeah, just because we've been moving and it's just been yeah, it's just been difficult. We're still in the midst of unpacking and everything. So I don't know, we're just well, I'm exhausted. I don't yeah. <laughs> sit down and discuss a good amount of exegesis just isn't really on my mind. <laughs> so. We've also got a cat, a kitten called oh, Angus. Who's have... brilliant, but he's a nightmare. Oh yeah. <laughs> my parents looked after him for a month before we brought him up. And Dad kept on sending us pictures being like Angus the Menace. And only this morning did we realise how true that is. He was a <laughs> nightmare. It doesn't help that my parents used to feed him every morning at 6am. And that's so that's, that's the time that he will come in and start meowing. <laughs> but he doesn't just meow, he jumps on you. And, like, meows right in your face and just won't get off. Oh, he's so annoying. And he yeah. jumps on all my plants. He loves the plants. <sighs> Chucking plants. and de- He de-rooted one. He did. He He'd de-rooted it weeding. this morning. Oh. So, but, yeah, yeah. soil all over the carpet. <laughs> Not really what you want when you're trying to have a lion, but it's, like, yeah. <laughs> Not allowed. Anyway, so yes, that's it. It's going to be slightly shorter this week, long story short. But next week, don't worry, we're getting straight back into the Gospel of Mark. We've taken a couple of detours from that recently um, because of just church commitments and, and time pressures and stuff like that. But we're really excited to get stuck back in to the Gospel of Mark. And we're in Mark chapter 12, verses 18 to 27, which looks at... Marriage and the Resurrection. So that's all to look forward to next week. But this week, we're going to try and complete the sentence, the Son of God who. We're going to look at how Paul completes that sentence, which is just so happens to be Galatians 2.20. And then we're going to look at how things can change because of knowing, uh, fully probably knowing Galatians 2.20. So all of that's ahead. Let's get started. So at the beginning of the blog post this week, you started it with the question, well, it was more of a complete complete the sentence, and then you said, the Lamb of God, the <laughs> Son of God, who? So what would you say? Yeah, I and mean, if I was going to have to complete the sentence, the Son of God, who, I think 
And and I did actually do this. I did try and think about this, and I wrote it in the blog post. I think I would say like the Son of God who is like the second person of the Trinity, or who like died on a cross to save all of our sins and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all, all very valid. Which is, yeah, which yeah. is all very valid. It's all kind of very valid. What about you? So, as per my stumble earlier, I would have gone with the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Son of God, the who, son of the God, Lamb of God who, who <laughs> takes away the sins of the world. Um, but I don't know if that's just because over lockdown we went to Catholic church for a bit, just oh, for a couple so it's of like services. Oh, it's like your brain like yeah, auto-completing the sentence. Because we had to be like the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Mm. Yeah. And so that's kind of what... Because, okay. you yeah. know, like with Anglicans, they're like, peace be with you and also with you. Mm. Now, in me, it's like the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. <laughs> have mercy on me. <laughs> yeah, fair. Okay, well, so if you didn't have autocomplete on, mm. like, what would you... How would you complete that? There's a lot of, like, things, aren't there? Like... The son of God, who was born of a virgin, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, blah, blah, blah. Like, all of that, yeah. Like, (laughs) the creed and things like that. Mm. So it's really interesting that Paul doesn't go with either of our options because I think that they're both really valid and good options. Yeah. Yeah, there are so many. It's like, you know when someone's like, oh, there are no wrong answers... Uh, it's almost like there are there are definitely wrong answers. If As to who Jesus is, yeah. <laughs> if you're, oh, the Son of God, who... Uh, I can't think of any wrong answers <laughs> off the top of my head. That's just oh, how holy sorry, we are. sorry, you're just <laughs> too good. <laughs> We're so holy that we can't even think of wrong answers to who the Son of God is. But yeah, like the Son of God who... Beats sailed people up to on the America street. in a boat. Yeah, and yeah. started Mormonism. <laughs> yeah, like that—that would be wrong. But there are there are so many right answers to this question. Mm. All, all scriptural answers as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but we're going to take a look at Paul's answer to this question, and Paul answers this question with the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me, which I think, I and mean, I just think that that's kind of mind blowing, really. Um, and I think I think that that's just it. Kind of gets me because it's just kind of like a throwaway comment. Like Paul was in the middle of talking about how he was kind of appointed as a, an apostle, as a missionary to the Gentiles, and then he's talking about how he has this argument with Peter and how he rebuked Peter, told him off, and then he's talking about like Jews and Gentiles and law and faith and stuff. And you know, this really like pretty deep, like really meaningful theological argument and like Galatians 2 15 to 21 are really important it's a really important passage for understanding who Jesus is and what Mm. how law and faith interact with one another but in the midst of that you've got Paul who just kind of chucks in like almost as an aside like by faith in the son of God comma subclause who loves me and gave himself for me that's just the fact that he he literally he would not have to put that if Paul didn't put that it would his argument would be none the worse for it. It would still be the same argument. He wouldn't have had to have put it, but he just he still does. I don't know why. Mm, I think it's well, it's tricky because I don't really like Paul. <laughs> but that's that's just because. Like, when we were younger, in youth group at church, we had to do, like, 
these like personality tests and they tell you like who you were like in the bible <laughs> right and i got peter and my sister got paul and so every time paul talks and he just like calls out peter and says that he's rubbish i see it as a personal attack <laughs> so <laughs> one of the more unusual reasons i'm <laughs> sort of not liking paul um but I think a, a lot of the times Paul is... Well, in my opinion, please correct me if I'm wrong and we can edit it out. Um, in, a lot of times when Paul speaks, he is speaking into contexts and situations that have been going on in the church, hence why they're letters um, to be read aloud to um, different people groups. And... Um, very rarely does he address kind of his own personal feelings or emotions. I think I think he, he does say his own opinions hmm. um, because that's another reason why a lot of people don't like him. He's very opinionated. But, <laughs> but he's like this, this to me is sort of a more emotional and personal side of Paul that isn't really seen a lot of, especially hmm. in his letters. Yeah. Yeah, I, can, I guess I can see how comes across like he does, he's not like necessarily always gushing with emotion or like yeah you know, today like with letter writing in Britain we'll always start with the weather I don't know why we'll always start with oh dear sir or madam whoever like insert name here like the weather's been great recently oh the weather's not been great recently and then you'll like go on to be like something really personal about yourself whereas Paul doesn't talk about the weather to the letters that he's writing to and he doesn't really talk about necessarily always how he's doing in that same kind of way mm. I guess that's true but I would have to I think I'd have to disagree with that and I'm just like flipping to um, First Thessalonians for example because in First Thessalonians although Paul doesn't necessarily explain how he's feeling he does speak in very kind of paternal terms and even maternal terms mm. um, I'm trying to actually find the reference so, I mean, for example, in, in the first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, from verse 7, he's like, Though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ, we were gentle among you, like a nurse, tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you that we're determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you've become very dear to us. And mm. so I think, yeah, I mean, Paul doesn't necessarily... He does talk about his struggles yeah, but... as well, but he does... He's I to me I always think of him as a somewhat caring kind of guy. Mm, but even again, he he uses the words we, us, all of that. And again in, in Galatians in chapter one, uh, verse three it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the mm. present evil age according to the will of our God and the Father. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So he uses the same, mm. a similar kind of language yeah. at the very beginning of the letter, but it's it's using this kind of classic Paul, our father yeah, gave like himself for our sins, set us yeah. free, blah, blah, blah. But then later on in um, Galatians 2.20, it's it's more it's more personal. Yeah. And I think I think that's just a little bit more telling than I don't know, may, maybe his his other letters. Yeah. I just think that that's just, it's kind of amazing, really, like the fact that he would shift from the God who loves us to the God who loves me. 
I mean, for me, like when I think of Paul, I think the the caricature of Paul that we get is some kind of great, um, as you say, like almost feelingless, like missionary, like really zealous preacher who goes around and proclaimed the gospel to the Gentiles and all of that stuff, mm. and like some just absolute like legend, really. As you say, like you don't often see that personal side always even though he does show a lot of emotions in a lot of his letters but here like in Galatians 2.20 I think this is this is as I say like what strikes me so much about this passage is that Paul is like who loves me and gave himself for me. Mm. So I have a question for you do you think he changes to the personal because of the nature of what he's saying or because of the people that he is writing to? Uh, well, I think if you look in the context of the passage, even though he is giving some kind of argument about law and faith and Jews and Gentiles, he is saying, um, if in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, is Christ in a sense of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law I died to law. And it goes on like that, so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then it finishes verse 21. If I, I do not nullify the grace of God, for, just, for if justification comes with the law, then Christ died for nothing. And so in that context, he does shift into the first person mm. singular, talking about I and stuff like that. And so I guess it is natural for him to carry on with sort of what who loved me and gave himself for me mm. but it still demonstrates a real personal connection to Jesus yeah because as as you said before he didn't have to put that bit in his argument would have still mm. been just as strong without it yeah um I guess what what I'm trying to get at is do you think he would say a similar thing to maybe like the Corinthians do you think he would be so open with them or do you just not know and we can I mean, I don't know, and it's hard to say, like, whatever I say is all just conjecture, like, hypothesis, mm. like, but, but I, yeah, I think that he probably would. He'd I say it to he, anyone. I think that he probably would, because you, know, you see it in those letters, you don't necessarily see it as clearly as you do here, but Paul is so deeply affected by the gospel, it's so ingrained into him and who he is, that it just appears like he just cannot help but talk about it, and so maybe it wouldn't come out in the same way as Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. I think you would still see... I think you do still see a personal connection and a personal knowledge of the love of God for mm. him in his other letters. So, yeah, I mean, that's how Paul finishes that sentence, the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me, which is, which is incredible, really, I think. I'm sure you can agree. I wonder uh, how you... As a listener might complete that sentence, uh, the Son of God who dot dot dot. And yeah, we're just going to turn in the next section of this podcast, the, the final section of this episode, to look at what difference does it actually make when we know that it's the Son of God who loves me and the Son of God who gave himself for me. Mm. At the start of this section, I guess, with just a little disclaimer, that when we say, what difference does it make knowing that the Son of God loves me and gave himself for me, it could be really easy to kind of make this all about knowing that 
God loves us individually and then have like a really individual faith and think, oh, well, it doesn't matter that God loves the world or God loves anyone else and just become so self-centered and introspective that all we care about is ourselves. And that's 100% not the way to be a Christian. Um, It's true that God loves us, like God loves you as each and every individual, but he does love the world, the whole world. And being a Christian is about loving God and being loved by God, following God with other Christians. Mm. Yeah, it's really important to notice that um, even though Paul himself here is God loves me and gave himself for me, he spent his whole kind of time as a Christian being a missionary and going and building up other people in different Mm. cities and kind of um, cultivating this just like really strong church um, across the Middle East. So even though he's saying me, 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 me. He he was a very communal hmm. um, person in terms of faith and um, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a Christian in communion with other Christians. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's saying God loves me in the context of explaining God's love for everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think this is one of the first main differences that knowing that God loves me makes, is that when you know that God loves you, personally individually then you also have to have some kind of implicit recognition in that that god doesn't love just you like god loves you because he loves everyone and so when you know that god loves you you then want to go make sure that everyone else knows that god loves them Mm. (laughs) so it's like you're special but also you're not special (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and because you're special you want to make everyone else know that, that they're special as well Exactly. I mean, I, I work in the SEN department. I know I know how to do that. But, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the kind of special we're talking about. <laughs> mm. So I think that's one of the, the first main differences. Um, what about you? What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's great. And I mean, it's, it's also good to know that it, it's not just you. And that's, and that's good because God loving you and giving his life up for you so that you can have eternal life or I can have eternal life if, if we're thinking about it in kind of like a me way. And that's, that's quite a heavy burden. Like, God loves me so much that he died for me. And so every time I mess up, which, which, like, we do because we all sin. It's a bit like, oh, like, God died for me, and I'm really not very great. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just kind of, I mean, it's, it's incredible, but, but it's, it's also just, like, a bit of a punch in the gut because it's, it's got to evoke change in how you act and how you live your life in light of God loving you and giving up his life for you mm. and and it's good because it is he didn't just do it for me he did it for everyone else as well so it's it's kind of ev- everyone um, <laughs> everyone messes up and god yeah. still loves them but in those situations that's also exactly when you remind yourself of the fact that god loves you and gave mm. himself for you yeah because it's god doesn't love you any less when you sin Mm, but but part of me oh oh, I mean obviously I understand that 
and it, it can be comforting but also I think it, it can be used as a comforting way but also it can be used as a like God doesn't love you any less but he has a standard yeah absolutely I mean it shouldn't I'm not saying that like we should use it as an excuse like mm. oh God loves me so I can do whatever I want because I'm forgiven because that's not understanding that's understanding that God loves me but it's not understanding that God gave himself yeah me. yeah I think it's really important that you have the two. And, and having the two, I think, like, the Son of God giving himself first, obviously that's talking about, like, Jesus dying on the cross and Jesus dying on the cross, taking, as he was on the cross, all of the power of sin and all of the evil effects of sin onto himself. And Jesus died with those. They're buried in the grave. Jesus rose again in new life. And we step into and enter into that new life when we mm. follow Jesus. But even though we step into that new life, we only kind of partially step into it and we're, we're still living in a world that is kind of, that has been devastated by sin. And even though God, well, through Jesus, took the power of sin and killed it, crucified it, there is still kind of the remnants of sin and sin's effects lurking about, which means that we will mess up. Yeah. And yeah. we will still fall, fall to those. I and mean, obviously God does have a standard and he doesn't want us to sin anymore, absolutely not. But He's yeah. forgiving. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, it says this like at the beginning of 1 John 2, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I mean, that's just another way of saying the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me, mm. I guess. I think, you know, like when each me understands that they matter to God, that God loves them, that, that the Son of God gave himself for them, then once you fully take that on board, then like everything starts to matter. Like that mm. is the gospel. Like life almost becomes life again. Or life becomes like real life for the first time when you know what everything's all about, when you finally get why God made the whole world and all of that stuff, which is for us, for our pleasure to enjoy it. And so I think, you know, there's so many times we can talk about this and we have like a head knowledge of this. It's so cliche to talk about head knowledge <laughs> and heart knowledge, but it's so true that like we have a head knowledge of this. And I myself like is constantly just have a head knowledge that, oh, yeah, God loves me, but I don't let it impact me in the way that I live my life. Uh, as you say, like, you can use it as an excuse to maybe sin or, like, knowing that God loves you should lead to change. It absolutely should. And that's when it becomes heart knowledge as well because your whole self responds to the love of God yeah. and accepts and receives the love of God. And God's love can't enter someone and not change them, I don't think. No, Because no, God loves I us agree. too much not to change us and not to draw us out of those terrible places that we are and lead us into and form us into the image yeah. of Christ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Mm. So I think, yeah, well, that's the end of this week's show. 
So if you liked what you heard today, don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Instagram, all of that stuff, even on Apple Podcasts. And um, if you want to read about what we're going to be talking about before the podcast comes out, don't forget to subscribe to the Stumbling Through Scripture blog post that will come directly to your inbox. All of the links, all of that stuff is in the show description, in the show notes. Until next time. We're looking at Mark chapter 12, 18-27, marriage at the resurrection, stumble with care.